okay, you don't need to look down. But things are different now. Things are different from Welcome to the What's Left Unsaid podcast, a podcast of untold stories. I am Emily Bleeker, best-selling author and too curious for my own good storyteller. My most recent novel, What's Left Unsaid, inspired this podcast where we research and explore the untold stories from our family history and yours. I've invited my sister to join me to help tell this story and others as we move forward. Uh, a little bit about Elizabeth. She is my baby sister by eight years and is usually the first person to read my books from pitch to novel. Hey, Elizabeth. Hello. Um, I'm Elizabeth. I'm really excited to be here. You know, people always want to know right off the bat if I'm a writer. And so I'll just clear that up. The answer is no. I work in marketing and communications and I, I love writing in those capacities, but I am not an author. Um, but I love playing a role in Emily's writing, and I'm really happy to be playing a role here in this podcast. So, thanks yeah, for I'm me. so excited to do this together, and uh, thanks for being my partner in crime, um, or at least I guess it's true crime for this story. Um, because our first series, we are starting with the story of Evelyn Sadler. She is actually our great aunt, and her story came to me in a six-page letter that had been sitting in a box of family records for decades before it fell into my nosy hands. Um, I found it uh, long before I actually even became a writer, uh, but it always stayed with me. Um, so then uh, as I became more like a more seasoned writer, I thought about this story all the time. And I started to think, you know, maybe now I'm ready to tell Evelyn's story or maybe now. But I never felt exactly ready um, because I was learning a lot about writing as I was writing all of my books. Uh, and it took years and years and years of me doubting myself before I was willing to explore this idea of mingling Evelyn's true story with a fiction contemporary one. So fast forward to January 2020 when we were all naive uh, about the world and this letter ended up being the inspiration for the true portion of my newest book, What's Left Unsaid. So the present timeline to give you a little background with Hannah. Um, she is a former Chicago Tribune reporter who finds rejected articles in the basement archives of this small town newspaper in Mississippi, Cenotopia. Uh, um, it's a completely fiction, the, that part of the story. But much of what I wrote of Evelyn in that story, even some of her actual words from the letter she left behind, ended up in the book. So that's, a, that's kind of what we're going over here today. That's the hook. Um, because the, when you shared it with me, I became obsessed with Evelyn's story. Uh, when you first refound the letter it was actually two years ago uh, this summer. And you messaged it to me. And that was the first time I had read it. And I remember I encouraged you a lot. And you did have some of those doubts. You're like, am I ready to do this? Like, how do I mix this true story with fiction? That is a lot. But i peer pressured you into it. Letter is so amazing. The opening line is like the thing of legend. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's really what grabbed me even when I first read it. I think it was 11 years ago, the first time I read it. Um, 
it it's very much in Evelyn's voice. She says, next week, I'll be all of 21 living in an institution for cripples with a sixth grade education. When one is asked what Evelyn Sadler is like, you might say fairly good looking, a blonde, blue eyes, fair skin, turned up nose. Evelyn Sadler, it seems as though you'd heard that name before. Well, maybe back in 1929, you did happen to pick up a Memphis paper and read where a 14 year old girl is shot. Done, done, done. Yeah. That's how she starts her story. Yeah. And then after she starts her story that way, we go like back in time. And she tells us her whole life story that leads up to her being shot and left for dead in her stepmother's bedroom and shot by her stepmother's gun. I mean, it's was a real life mystery and it was even a real life mystery for us, even with all the information we had even with her first and last name, you know, we dove right into research and even with knowing what we knew, it was hard to find substantiating evidence to support what she talks about in the letter. But the main thing we had to go off of is that our grandfather on our dad's side is Evelyn's younger brother. And she mentions him in the letter. Yes. Uh, yeah. When Evelyn was eight years old, um, she had two younger sisters when her mother gave birth to her brother, William, and that's our grandfather. Um, so she was 42, 43 at the time, which even nowadays is considered, quote, old. So she gives birth and she dies within a month. Uh, technically, it's from pneumonia, but it has long been stated that it was as a result of her pregnancy and childbirth. So when William is is uh, born, he is given to a family member and raised separate from Evelyn. They never meet, ever. And um, actually, our grandfather only met his father, uh, Evelyn's father, one time. I was shocked when dad, our dad told this story. We went to Memphis and Mississippi recently as part of this podcast and part of Emily's book launch. And our dad said that his dad saw his birth father one time when he was with his unofficial adopted family. I say unofficial because they never officially adopted him. He just lived with them for his childhood. We were at a party and his adoptive father said, that right there is your daddy. Didn't even speak to him, just pointed to him across the room at a party. But our dad also said that they would still go and visit his gravestone in Memphis. And so our grandfather obviously still felt connected to that portion of his family. Wow, that still blows my mind. You know, things are very much, that's why what's left unsaid really makes sense for this book, but also for this podcast, because so many things and families are left unsaid. So our grandfather's birth um, and the death of his and Evelyn's mom is actually really what started all of the dominoes for the events that lead to Evelyn being shot. It's kind of hard to see until you look at it in hindsight. But if you look back, you can really see that is the start because not long after her mother dies, her half sister, who is brought in to take care of her and her sister, also dies from pneumonia. And um, and she Evelyn had talked about how much she loved this half sister and felt very loved and taken care of by her. So to lose her was another great loss in her life. Um, at that time, her father, his name is Ethelwyn. Uh, I realized Evelyn and Ethelwyn sounds so similar, but he is Ethelwyn Sadler. So he hires a housekeeper, Mrs. Brown, um, and she is there for just one moment and then like poof, gone. 
Um, her father gets a job in Memphis after not having a job for a while. And then all of a sudden he runs into Mrs. Brown and then he comes back and they get married. Yeah. Evelyn specifically mentions the first night Mrs. Brown came to stay with them and the evening she and her father got married. So you know the presence was meaningful and it is not in a great way. Mrs. Brown and daddy were married in 1925. Also mentions the first night that Mrs. Brown came and says, Mrs. Brown arrived at 11 p.m. one January night. So that shows you that they met in January, there was some time and then they got married in November. And then they got married in November. And that shows how important, like how those stuck out in her mind, this woman coming to her home. Now, the reason that she sticks out in her mind is because I think Mrs. Brown was like the devil incarnate a little bit to Evelyn. With all of this, it really starts to paint Mrs. Brown as suspect number one for who shot Evelyn when you really start to dive into exactly how she treated her. And the way that she treated her was atrocious. Um, so they had a boarding house in Memphis and they, they took on boarders. And Evelyn, who is like 10 at this time, was doing most of the manual labor. Mother was keeping two children to board and I had most everything to do for them. There were also other boarders. I did all the housekeeping and most of the cooking. I built the fire, mopped the stairs, fixed the breakfast and called everybody to eat. Yeah, and that's a pretty big job for a, a little kid, you mm -hmm. know? And that's a fifth grader. So a fifth grade girl was doing all of this, but not just that. She was never good enough for mother. For the, She ends up having to call her mother, by the way. So yeah. she was never good enough for mother. She says, mother and I didn't get along together at all. I was always doing something I shouldn't do or wasn't doing something I should do. I tried very hard to do the things that I thought she would like, but for some reason, I just couldn't. I feel like that girl is my spirit animal. Well, I, when I read that, I was wondering if she couldn't, like she couldn't meet up to the expectations or she just literally could not make herself do anything to help this woman. I truly think she tried. I think she was trying, but mother was the kind of person who was never going to be happy with her. Yeah. You know, like she was another mouth to feed. Her father started getting sicker and couldn't work as much. So they took on more boarders and then they sent away another one of her sisters. Yep. So yep. they sent away Vivian, right? Vivian. Yeah. To daddy's son by a former marriage. Took my little sister that Christmas and it nearly broke my heart for I did love her so very much. Yeah. So she now a lot of love in her heart. She talks so much about how much she loves her sisters and how much she loves her family and her dad. Right. She does. And, and the fact that all of these people have been so disposable, like her little brother was given away, her sister was given away. I'm mm -hmm. sure she has this thought in her mind, like what, if I do something wrong, they're going to give me away. Yep. You know, I'm not going to be here anymore. And it it maybe made her feel less important. And honestly, it shows that Mrs. Brown, suspect number one, may have seen her as disposable as well. Yeah. And, you know, we've kind of alluded to the fact that she was really terrible to Evelyn, but we haven't even talked about the worst part. Quote from Evelyn's letter is, she would whip me. And then when daddy came home, it was always the same. She would have a heart spell and I would have to ask her forgiveness. My only redeeming feature was that I was always sorry. 
Oh, Evelyn. <laughs> no, she would whip her with a horse whip, right? That's yeah, she said, I remember she whipped me with a horse whip that daddy had forbidden her to whip us with just from misplacing a dress. Oh, she listened so well when he said, don't do it. You know, this is what I'm like, come on, Ethelwyn. I know. Your children, stop giving them away. Um, so that gets us to, I think, a place where we're ready to find out about suspect number two. Yeah, you know, you watch Dateline. I love a good true crime podcast and TV show. And what's the number one rule? Always suspect the significant other. In this case, the boyfriend. So Harry Westbrook um, was not somebody she grew up with, not somebody that she knew. So Evelyn went down to the fairgrounds and it was like this special thing that she got to do. In the letter, it doesn't say exactly how this happened, but she met Harry there when he saved her from drowning. Yep. That's what she said. It's just such a throwaway line. Like, like that we want to hear more about, Evelyn. <laughs> <laughs> you tell us great details about other things. We'd really like to know about the drowning part. The only thing she says is, he grasped me just in time to keep me from drowning. Which I thought was such a great detail. And I went in uh, that I created a wonderful story for <laughs> in, in the, the book. Yeah. <laughs> It made my brain just go like, whoa, what happened there? So filled in those blanks with very probably historically inaccurate blanks, but <laughs> it was enjoyable. So she, he saved her and it was love. And here's the yeah. thing. He had an interesting job. So Harry was not a child. Harry was 19 years old and he worked for the rodeo. And the rodeo that was in town and his job was a cow puncher, which I was like, what the heck is a cow puncher? But it's the guys that wrangle the cow after like the steer after it's done its thing, you know, like after somebody's ridden the bull, they're the ones who grab it and make sure that it doesn't gore the guy on the ground. So that's a cow puncher. Yeah. Now you know. You've yeah, always wanted to know what a cow puncher was. And now yes, I did. And now I know. Um, so, so that Harry was-, was definitely smitten too. So he moves into the house across the street um, with people that were friends of theirs so that he could be near Evelyn. Yeah. So he does not go on with the rodeo. He stays in town because he falls in love with this 14-year-old yep. girl. And of course, mother found out about it. And she said she didn't trust him and began to threaten to take Evelyn away. And send told her, her to the convent. Yep. Said, said to the uh, good shepherd, a place for girls who won't obey or who have gone wrong. <laughs> I looked that place up and that is, there were ads for it. Like in the newspaper, oh, no. like telling parents they could send their wayward daughters there. Really, it was a place for girls who got knocked up. Yeah, but Harry, so Harry hears that her stepmother doesn't, this is something when I reread the letter today, Harry hears that, mm-hmm. according to Evelyn, hears it from across the street that right. her stepmother says that they can't spend time together, comes over, demands to see her, and then spends two hours talking to her. And they supposedly, at this time, although we'll see this change later, come out the best of friends. Yeah. Yeah. I don't totally buy that. There's more to the Harry story, but I feel like 
kind of appropriate to then talk about suspect number three. Suspect number three. Yeah. Yeah. So she goes from talking about Harry saying Harry met her mother and they were the best of friends. And literally the next paragraph, she says, mother and daddy were thinking of trading houses. And that, my dear public, is the reason that Mr. Smith has a place in this mixed up story of my life. And this is where I say that Evelyn sounds like Gossip Girl. <laughs> oh my God. My dear public, XOXO, Evelyn. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I would watch that. Uh, um, he was twice my age, I 14, he 28. I thought he was very old. <laughs> oh, poor Evelyn. <laughs> I would think a man that was 28 was very old, very yes. old. Yes, especially like literally twice twice her age. Yeah. She says, Mr. Smith was the first man I ever went anywhere with by myself. Somehow mother and daddy liked Mr. Smith and wanted me to go with him. And these are the quotes she gave from her parents for the endorsements. Are you ready? Yeah. Mother, he has money and can take you places you want to go. That was mother's plea. Daddy. He has sense, not just silly and always wanting to neck. But that was all dad knew about. Yep. And that was all dad knew about because it, uh, Mr. Smith did not end up being such a nice guy. No, he did not. Um, the first date, Evelyn says, the first date we went swimming, afterwards riding. Want to learn how to drive, Evelyn? Then you can have this car and anything else you want. Evelyn, I love you very much, and all I have is yours if you will learn to love me. Oh, that's so romantic. That's so <laughs> grooming. Yes, <laughs> that is. Gross. Well, yeah. it's sadder. Uh, right. Then he tried to kiss me, and I fought like a tiger. Somehow I didn't mind Harry kissing me, but this man, I just didn't like it. He may have been nice, but he was too serious for crazy Evelyn. Aw, this yeah. is the thing that I find very interesting about Evelyn is she seems to understand and she's clearly being taught it by her parents that her, she is a commodity. Mm -hmm. What will get her somewhere in life is not her brains, is not her determination. It is um, her body, mm -hmm. uh, her marital status, and how well she does keeping house. And yep. she clearly has gotten that message and she has embodied that message. And so she is really looking, if she's going to get out of this situation, she is looking with mother, she is looking for really, you know, a promotion into wifehood. She's thinking Harry, who she also loves, could be her ticket out, right? He's yes. 19. She, he's in those days, theoretically old enough to choose her for a wife. But right. Not everything is what it seems with Harry. No, no, it's not. And so we find that out. So after she has this tumultuous date with Mr. Smith, who is pursuing her relentlessly and has been inappropriate with her physically. And what I always like to think about with this letter and what kind of led to the title of this book, What's Left Unsaid, is these are the things that she was willing to say in a yep. very polite era in a time where so much was left unsaid, she said so much 
already that I'm like, gosh, what is the subtext of what was going on in that situation? If she's willing to say all of this out loud. So I always keep that in mind as we're, we're looking at these suspects. Right. So this takes us to uh, back to suspect number two, Harry. Now, Harry um, invites Evelyn to go on a trip to Paducah. I think that's how you say it, Kentucky. And that's where his family lives. And mother agrees as long as there is a, a chaperone that goes with them. So their neighbor goes and maybe one of their kids, I think. Yep. And they go on a road trip um, to Kentucky and to visit his family. So um, Evelyn during this time has not been feeling very well. Um, she ends up when they get there, she's feeling very, very sick and can't seem to really get out from underneath this sickness. Um, and that's one of the reasons why she goes and she lays down. And I think that's kind of what leads to what happens next. Yeah. So she says, I went to lie down. I overheard the lady who had come with us and Harry's mother talking. She was saying that Harry was only 16. You see, he had told me he was 19. And she, and she, his mother, would rather he and I were not so pally and all. I cried until I couldn't cry anymore. So there, poor little Evelyn, her ticket out. And I'm, I think she also loved Harry. She had been lied to. Um, and so she ran away. Mm -hmm. And um, everybody had to search for her. They ended up finding her after she ran away. And she just was in a state. She was in a state. They ended up leaving the next morning. Yeah. And then when she gets home, she's scolded by Mrs. Brown about running away. Right. Um, and she's more upset about that than anything else that happened. She's not upset. She's mad at Evelyn essentially for embarrassing her and running away. Um, and, you know, Harry was supposed to be Evelyn's golden ticket, but it just turned out to be counterfeit, essentially. Yeah, really. And Mrs. Brown didn't really care as much about him not being 19. She didn't want her to marry him anyway. She wanted oh. her to marry Mr. Smith. Mm -hmm. This is right before, I think, three days before she is found shot. That's where we're up to. Yeah. So now we have the three suspects. We have Mrs. Brown. We have... Um, we have Harry Westbrook and we have Mr. Smith. And that's that's really where we get to when she is just in this state of she doesn't know what to do anymore. She is in it's this uh, this moment in her life of crisis. Yeah. So there's Mrs. Brown, who is embarrassed by her and is finding her less and less useful because she's sick all the time. She talks about being sick all the time and not feeling well. Then there's Harry who lied to her and is hiding who knows what else. And she is also simultaneously, although against her will, being forced to date another man, Mr. Smith, who could be in conflict with Harry and could also be possessive over Evelyn, something that isn't his, but he's acting like it is. And then Mr. Smith has really inappropriate feelings towards 14-year-old Evelyn and yeah. her pretty badly and has stated very clearly that that is his intention. So I think that's a good place for us to pause and stop our first episode. Um, I, think I think so too. I think that you got to keep it going. Uh, I'd be interested to hear who people would guess shot Evelyn. Like I oh. 
with with that information, who would you guess out of this motley crew <laughs> was the one who pulled the trigger? And I think we'll get into more detail about that next time. We have real newspaper articles we will share from newspapers at the time, real Evelyn's words about what happened when she was shot, and more information about their family in general. Lots of interesting things in this real-life true crime mystery. Let us know who you think pulled the trigger, and let us know if you think there is someone else we should add to the suspect list. Join us next week and we will share more information in this story of real life Evelyn Sadler and what's left unsaid. Girl, lay by me. Listen to the sea. Listen to the waves roll before I go.